Hello, welcome to Chronically Narnia, where we are discussing the Chronicles of Narnia, and we have started with The Magician's Nephew, and this is our discussion of the final chapter, chapter 15 of The Magician's Nephew. Uh, I am an apple tree. I also go by the name Kristen, and this is my co-host. Uh, a fine counterpane. You... You are a bedspread. <laughs> yep. That's me. He also so, has a name that also, he will tell you eventually. Oh, yeah. It's also Chris. Good Hi. job. How you doing? This chapter is called The End of This Story and the Beginning of All the Others. And that is why we started with this book. <laughs> I it think. It makes sense, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't make sense to start with a book that explains questions that we don't have yet. I, I, I mean... No. Okay, fine. Now well, that we're done with it, do you finally agree with me? Uh, yeah, I think I do. I think I see where you're coming from with this. Mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll appreciate it more when we go through the rest of the books and, mm-hmm. you know, do the and whole And then series. we have to read this one again later when it was actually supposed to be read and it will be like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense now. Well, we can do like a one episode revisit or so. I don't want to. <laughs> All right. So, so welcome, uh, dear listeners. Uh, Chris is going to talk about what we do next. Yeah. So we start off every episode by going through and picking five sentences out of the chapter that we think you know, explain the chapter and tell the story in a succinct way. And we'll just go ahead and jump into that to get us a, a starting off point. Why so don't you go ahead and start, Chris? I will go ahead and start with my sentences. Ahem. Come, said Aslan. It is time you went back, but there are two things to see first, a warning and a command. They were on the pavement outside the Ketterly's front door, and except that the witch, the horse, and the cabbie were gone, everything was exactly as they had left it. For the rest of that day, whenever he looked at the things about him and saw how ordinary and unmagical they were, he hardly dared to hope. But when he remembered the face of Aslan, he did hope. They got a trowel and buried all the magic rings, including their own, in a circle around it. So that Diggory felt just as sure as you that they were all going to live happily ever after. All right. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> there you go. There you go. So for you, you wanted to include Aslan and the command and the, the the stuff like that. You included them, you know, getting the command to bury the rings and then doing it. Correct. I kind of skipped over some of that. Uh, yeah. I, I tried I tried really hard to work in something about Degree's mother getting healed, but it was I don't know that was, that is a very important part of the chapter. But yeah. Which you kind of just skipped over. I guess See, so. See, to me, I was focused more on the Apple's story from it going mm-hmm. to. Uh, well, uh, let me read mine. Though. Yeah, go ahead. He peeled it and cut it up and gave it to her piece by piece. About a week after this, it was quite certain that Diggory's mother was getting better. The tree which sprang from the core of the apple that Diggory planted in the back garden lived and grew into a fine tree. They got a trowel and buried all the 
all the magic rings, including their own ones, in a circle around it. That was the beginning of all the comings and goings between Narnia and our world, which you can read of, read of in other books. So I also included the sentence that was just an advertisement for his other books. C.S. Lewis just being like, yo, want more? <laughs> There's more. You know where to find it. Uh, yeah, so last chapter. Yep. How do we feel about it? Uh, about the chapter is well, what we're focusing on here because we need Steve's presence to calm the discussion of the uh, the, the whole the entire book. Yeah. book. yeah. Um, well, let's see. What do you think? Um, for me, I didn't have a lot of notes on this one. I, I want to talk about the stuff that you mentioned in your summary, uh, the warning and the command. Um, but I didn't really have a whole lot because this, like you said, is just a sum up chapter. Like this whole chapter is just tying off all the loose ends. It's exactly what we expected it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I don't know. Go for it. You tell me. What what do you what uh, do you want to hit on on this chapter? Well, first thing I want to hit on is I, I think this chapter kind of definitively puts to bed the fan theory that we have that Charn is Narnia. Oh, but but <laughs> I have a loophole for that. I have oh, a loophole. You do? Okay, okay, so it, so far I've been arguing that it's possible that when they tried to take the witch back to Charn, they dove into the correct pool, but they were in Narnia because that pool had been replaced by the Narnia pool because once Char- once the queen wasn't in Charn anymore, Charn was done. There was no more life there. And so there was no reason for it to be maintained. So it was destroyed and was the, new- the foundation upon which Narnia was built. Uh-huh. Now, with that said, I could still be right that the new world of Narnia was created because Charn had died and that there's a level of maintenance happening with the number of worlds. There has to be a certain number. But there's also the fact that, yes, they come back to the wood between the worlds with Aslan, and Aslan's like, look at this hole here that used to be a pool. Well, you know, Charn's gone. Yep. They messed up, (laughs) they killed their planet, and now don't go do the same thing on your world. Yeah. So, that's a thing. Um, And, you know... Aslan gives some foreshadowing about, you know, World War One or Two happening. Yes. Uh, within Diggory's lifetime. Yes. So very specifically, Aslan says that on our world, there will be people who rise to power and may not learn a deplorable word. But, I mean, at this point, we also have, like, the atom bomb and stuff like that. And, you, you know, it could be a foreshadowing of that kind of power. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought the illusion was very uh, clearly in reference to. Um, and I, mean, I do want to stop briefly on this line here that uh, says, Both the children were looking up into the lion's face as he spoke these words, and all at once, they never knew exactly how it happened, the face seemed to be a sea of tossing gold in which they were floating, and such a sweetness and power rolled about them and over them and entered into them, that they felt they had never really been happy or wise or good or even alive and awake before. Yeah, so. I don't like that. You didn't like it. I don't know why. I just didn't like that because it's so, like, it's taken Aslan, who has been this kind of, like, magical grounding, uh-huh. where he's the clear wielder of magic and stuff like that, and everything that he's done that is magical has been very active. 
And this is a very passive magic that's coming off of him or whatever. And it's, and it's written to be this kind of like spiritual experience as opposed to a magical experience. Uh-huh. And like Diggory and Polly have just watched a new world be created with, you know, music. Like yeah. it's very, very much described as a magical environment and it's all sourced in magic. But then you have this very like, spiritual reflective moment of this sea of this goodness and and uh wisdom and stuff that like is referenced later when Diggory's like when he thought back to the face of Aslan you know Uh he was quite sure that his mother would be healed like it's a source of hope in 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 a way that the magic that's been presented in the book so far hasn't been Uh uh-huh so I didn't like it because it felt inconsistent. Okay. Not I mean it's not in universe. It's not in line with the way that they talked about, you know, when they first saw Aslan and they're like the lion and and uh Uncle Andrew's like get a gun and kill it. <laughs> uh-huh. And they're like who would want to do that? Like they have this this kind of reflexive awe towards uh-huh. Aslan and then we have this moment of like internalizing something from Aslan's face uh-huh. which felt very different yeah I gotcha um so they had this moment with Aslan what uh, did you think about that you uh, you seem like you liked it no I like that line and I like that moment uh this this last moment they had with Aslan uh they you know they never see him again so that's just kind of a a thing uh and you know they get their their command and then suddenly we are what is their command you're skipping over what their command is oh their command is they need to go find the magic rings and bury them though and and not so many words aslan's just like yeah don't come back make sure nobody can come back but he very (sighs) specifically says that you don't need rings when you're with me that's how the chapter opens yeah so he just like poofs them into the wood between the world uh-huh. says look at the hole that used to be charn get all of the rings and take them away and you don't need rings yeah when you're with me uh-huh. um with that said though do they have to go be- through the wood between the worlds because no other travelers to narnia in the series that i can remember uh-huh. go via those pools yeah it's just kind of a like a quick and dirty shortcut. Yeah, but it's not a shortcut. It's, <laughs> it's the long. long cut. Like, you have Lucy walk into the wardrobe through the back of the wardrobe and out into the woods. Like, and that's how she gets there. In The Voyage mm-hmm. of the Dawn Treader, you have them look at a picture and fall into the picture, and they're in Narnia. Um, mm. In uh, In the Silver Chair, you have two kids that are running through the woods and like hide in a hedge and end up falling into Narnia. Uh-huh. Like this is how they've transported to Narnia all of these other times in in the lore and this is now explaining the history of that uh-huh. um traveling between the worlds in a much more complicated way but of having to go to this wood between the worlds and then come out into a pool. Yeah. Um so 
so do they have to go through the wood between the worlds? Why does Aslan take them to the wood between the worlds? Like, is this the only private place where he can have a conversation with them and give them this warning and this command? Like, he needed to show them the charm tool. Is it is it that profound though? (laughs) Like, he could just be like. Narnia exists now because Charn is gone, and you saw the the that which fell upon Charn. Like uh-huh. he doesn't have to show them the empty pool. Yeah, I guess so. Uh-huh. But you know, children need object lessons, and why not? Anyway, so we have that happen. Then suddenly they're back in front of the Ketterly's house, uh, as if no time had passed. No time had passed whatsoever. Yep. So that that classic trope, where you know time runs differently in Narnia. <clears throat> which is is established like uh-huh. in the lion the witch in the wardrobe that's very much the way that time works yep um so nothing's changed uh everybody's the whole scene is still in chaos they're waiting for the ambulance for the policeman etc etc um except for the fact that the cabbie the horse and the queen have gone. all just disappeared yeah everybody's just gonna forget about that it's not a big deal no, yeah. No. No worries. It's so, fine. Don't worry about it. It'll be the town. And so has the, the arm of the lamppost that the queen used to hit the cabbie with. Yeah. It'll be a town scuttlebutt for a couple months, and then everybody will forget about it. Move on to something else. <sighs> um. So there's that. Um. And Uncle Andrew is awake at this point. Uncle Andrew. Yeah, he was asleep while they were in the Wood Between the Worlds. He did go with them back to the Wood Between the Worlds, and he was just still asleep there. But yeah, as soon as they transported him back, he's awake. Yep, Yep. and he runs inside the house. Still covered in honey. Still covered in honey. Nobody recognized him because he was covered in so much honey and his clothes were so dirty. But Uh the day that that housekeeper was having. (laughs) (laughs) What a day. Staring at all the fun. Yep. Which, I mean... I guess that points to how sad a life that she lives. Uh, yeah, like, I feel like it's kind of <laughs> depressing. Hey, hey, a horse-drawn carriage crashed outside of the house and a policeman got exalted. This is the most fun day I've had in a long time. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, that's... With that said, though, the other day, like, while I was at work, I walked, I was walking into work and there was, like, two fire trucks and six cop cars across the street because someone got stabbed. Uh-huh. And it was, like, all anyone could talk about for the rest of the day. Like, even even hours after all of the cops were gone, it was, like, still the thing that everyone was like, what happened earlier today? I saw there were cops here. And uh-huh. it's like, yeah, someone got stabbed. I have literally no more information than that. I'm s- sorry. <laughs> Most fun day you've had in a while. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it helps to have something to talk about because I don't like talking to people. So, like, yeah, here's a default topic. Uh huh. Have a good day. Don't get stabbed. That's that should be your 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 sign off whenever you're helping people. <laughs> have a great one. Thank you. Here. Don't get don't stabbed. Go, don't get stabbed. <laughs> what? Anyway, um, so Uncle Andrew rushes inside the house. They're afraid he's going to go get the rings. He doesn't. He just goes and gets brandy. Do you think and... he would want to? <laughs> uh-huh. I'm, that echoed in my head uh-huh. when Aslan was like, do you think he would want to come back? And yeah. then you have him rushing into the house and they're like, oh no, he's going to go get the rings. And it's like, really? Do you yeah. think he'd want to? Possibly not. No. 
We're going to go with no. Uh-huh. He did get his brandy, though. He ran straight <laughs> for his brandy. Mm-hmm. I mean, that Almost was... an understandable reaction. <laughs> but I might do the same. Oh, let's laugh at his alcoholism. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, things in, in children's, children's book. Yes. <laughs> um, so then we have the core of the chapter. That's a pun. Uh, where... Oh, because of the apple? Uh-huh. Oh, I, I where... get it now. Uh-huh. Where... See, without the visual of you winking, I'm sure our audience didn't figure it out. uh uh-huh. You gotta Instagram a pic of me uh, winking on the official page. So anyway, we go in... I don't know how to wink for a picture. <laughs> <laughs> oh. No. I look like I'm having an episode. <laughs> Oh, you mean of the podcast? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You, you seem glad to be done with this book. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, so core of the chapter, Digray goes, takes the apple out, and, you know, this apple is so magical that it makes everything else in the room look pale and boring by comparison. And this is the first time in the entire book that we hear Diggory's mother say anything or really learn anything about her or get her name uh-huh her name is mabel yep who knew you never mentioned her but she actually gets dialogue i was a little bit surprised i wasn't sure it was ever gonna happen you weren't you were like <laughs> she is the whole motivation for him and she's not gonna say anything she's just but a big mcguffin aunt letty's gonna call her a big baby <laughs> And we feed Diggory's mother the apple, and we we think she gets better. We think so. Yeah. We don't know for sure until, you know, the next page in the chapter, obviously. But we... <laughs> when it was six <laughs> weeks later, and not only, not only is she better, but they got other good news that someone died, <laughs> and their, his dad got inherited <sighs> a fortune and can come home now. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> There's... I like that 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 chat that that paragraph starts that when things go wrong, you'll find they usually go go on getting wrong for some time. But then, but when things are starting to go right, they often go on getting better and better. And that is two sentences before <laughs> old great uncle Kirk died. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, mom feels better. Great Uncle Kirk died, and now we have money, and Dad can retire, and we can go live in the country, and Polly can come visit us and learn how to swim, finally. Well, you just covered the rest of the chapter. I guess we're done. Um. (laughs) It's one paragraph that's just like, hey, everything gets better and better and better and better, and someone dies, and it gets better. Mm -hmm. So... You know, Diggory's mother gets better. We have a visit from the doctor, et cetera, et cetera. We don't want to give the boy too much hope, but, you know, she's fine. Yeah, she she's recovers. Fine. She's getting better. Yeah, cool. Uh, and they go bury the rings. Uh, yeah, okay. We... So let's let's just take a moment to talk about how they are both pulled aside by Aslan and commanded to get the rings and bury them. Yes. And they get back to the house and Diggory's just like, hey, Polly. You got that thing Aslan said, right? You can take care of that? Because I'm going to go take care of my mom. Well, yeah, like, thing. forget what Aslan <laughs> said that we needed to worry about. I'm yeah. going to go take care of my mom. Like, yeah. The rings are a side quest. 
but it is like Aslan takes them and says, here are two things you need to know. Uh-huh. Do not become Charn, sons of Adam and daughters of Eve. Uh-huh. And also... Go do these rings. Go get the rings. Like this, go bury the rings. Uh-huh. Like this is what he said to them. And they get back and Diggory's just like, you got that right, Polly? Cool, thanks. Uh-huh. And it's just another instance of her being like plot tool rather than actual character like Mm -hmm. it is just like he sends her away to go do the thing that aslan sent them to do yeah and then you know they meet up in the backyard and he's like did you get him she's like yep don't worry i've got gloves on (sighs) and then they bury them together yep but before that we've planted another tree yes and, and he didn't throw it this time. Did he not throw it. Turn. Actually had to plant it. Uh, buries the apple core in the yard. That's even... why it's not magical. If he had thrown it, <laughs> clearly would have been more well, magical. There, there's some sort of residual magic because even though this isn't Narnia with the energies of creation flowing through it, we still have something coming up immediately. Yes, and we also have, you know, apples that are not magical. Yeah, mostly. But they're still really good for they're you good and they're for the best looking for ones. You. Apples are good for you. This is this is another one of those PSAs in this book. Apples, uh-huh. they're good for you. We we can take an aside here and and you know we can link this to the phrase you know an apple a day keeps the doctor away. Like on a, that kind of scale, how good do, do you think these apples are for you? Like, are we talking like an apple a year keeps the doctor away? I don't know. Like, <laughs> how good are they? <laughs> That's something your listeners can tweet at us about. Um, yeah. How or, strong do you think the apples are? How this strong? Is, this is riveting discussion. Well, we also um, then have, um, like, the, the apple tree. It doesn't, it, it, it grows up and, and has a normal life. Like, it, but it's just, like, something in its sap is still magically attached to Narnia. Like, uh-huh. there there are days when there's no wind, but the trees rattle. Like, it's it could be could be responding to wind in Narnia that's not present in our world. Like, there's that kind of allusion to it being vaguely magical. Mm. But it's also very specific that Diggory is never going to experience that magic again. Yeah. Which I think is really sad. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, he... It doesn't seem like he's really sad about it. I mean, in the in the very next chapter, not chapter, in the very next paragraph, we have this whole, you know, we have good news. Uh, great uncle, what's his face? Uncle Kirk, dead. Yep, and that great means, news. And that and means Diggory's father gets to come back from India. Yeah. Whatever he's doing there. No, I, like, and he's going to live happily ever after and all of that jazz. But it's still, it's still kind of a bummer, like, that this... I don't know. You don't know. I feel like this is a character who resonated with Aslan on the fact that the two of them were the only ones present in Narnia who had experienced grief. Uh Uh-huh. And, like, this was a thing. But, like, in saving Diggory's mom, Uh Diggory has been saved a huge amount of grief. Uh Uh-huh. And it's almost like his childhood is returned to him. Ooh. And so he doesn't need this magic anymore. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it feels like he should still 
he should have the chance to experience that magic without the grief. Like, the way that Polly got to experience that as a non-character who just was, like, there and got to be swept along by the story. Like, uh-huh. she got to experience Narnia in a way that Diggory couldn't because Diggory experienced it as something that he damaged. Uh-huh. And that he... um you know, created a problem for and that he needed to just get something from and go home. Uh-huh. And it became very moralistic for him as opposed to Polly, who was just there to witness all of this magic and creation and story and building and everything uh-huh. that Diggory didn't get to do. And I feel like Diggory as a character has had this, like, almost innocence restored to him by being saved the grief of his mother's death and illness and that he doesn't get that chance to experience what polly experienced Mm -hmm. yeah um well said (laughs) uh i'm not sure how to respond to that but yeah that's that's a good point uh yeah so do we feel like diggory has, I mean, I don't want to get too much into the discussion of the entire book because that's the next episode. But do we feel like Diggory has made progress? Like, is this him being a dynamic character? Has he changed? No, he uh-huh. accomplished his quest. Uh huh. And and basically has been restored back to what he you know didn't have the ability to be before. Like. Uh huh he can be carefree now in the way that he wasn't before. Like if, I mean, that's, that's hardly a change in the character. Yeah. So Diggory in chapter 15 is not terribly different than Diggory in chapter one. Yeah. He's just got, you know, he's happier. Yeah. With his mouth open. <laughs> um, so we have Diggory's story there and then, you know, they, they live happily ever after and Polly and Diggory become great friends uh, they never get together, apparently, for all you shippers out there. <laughs> apparently not. Apparently they don't end up together. Uh-huh. You know, Diggory just remains single for the rest of his life, daydreaming about the most beautiful woman he'd ever seen. <laughs> no, that's uh, Uncle Andrew. Uh-huh. No, I, um, I mean, like, Diggory, it, as Professor Kirk in the later books, doesn't seem to have any kind of connection to any woman, but I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then we have this little brief aside where we find out what happens in Narnia. Uh, or, you know, we, we go through the next few hundred years of what happens in a paragraph. Yeah. Uh, you know. Which I think with the time differential would line up for that, that hundreds of years. That hundreds of years that that tree was supposed to protect Narnia with the windstorm that blew down the apple tree in the backyard. Yeah. I think that that was the fall of the tree in Narnia. Whoa. And that, that paralleled it. I don't I think that the tree in London fell down mm-hmm. when the tree in Narnia died and was no longer protecting Narnia. Makes sense. As a thing that happens. Uh and then we you know King King Frank and Queen Helen, they have lots of kids and they And their kids populate <laughs> Go off and marry fantastical critters. Yes. Okay. So this is, so what what the what they're saying here is that all of the human characters 
that we're going to interact with later in Narnia, like Prince Caspian and the horse and his boy, the boy from that one, mm-hmm. are all descendants of humans with nymphs and dryads and wood gods and wood gods and river gods and river gods. <laughs> like there, there's no actual humans there. They're all bred, like crossbred with. Yeah. nymphs and dryads and stuff i mean that's how we get away question from the, mark, question the, mark. the uncomfortable conversation of like you know frank and helen's kids just marrying each other and interbreeding yeah how... but <laughs> we still then have like we don't have just humans in narnia like nope so helen and frank and their kids are the only humans in narnia that's ever it. which i mean i guess does make sense when you like have the kids come back and it's a big deal that they're sons of Adam and daughter Zivi, uh-huh. even though there are other like human-like creatures there. Yeah. That we assume are human beings. Apparently not though. In like Arkenland and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But then you also have like giants. Where mm-hmm. did they come from? <laughs> we have dwarves as their own species Dang. essentially mm-hmm. and then we have like entities like father christmas <laughs> father christmas is a character in the lion the witch in the wardrobe like mm-hmm. where did he come from like is he some river god's son or like what like he came through another pool i mean i still have <laughs> questions that are not answered by this prequel book yeah which is supposed to answer all of these questions and it answered all the questions i didn't have mm-hmm. So we're going to contact the Lewis estate and say uh, <laughs> we need somebody to come up with a prequel for, you know, this book. <laughs> or maybe just read our companion texts and I don't know. see if that answers anything for us. Whatever. Um, so, yeah, we already talked about the tree that springs up. It's connected to the tree in Narnia, kind of maybe. Uh, it blows over. We make a wardrobe out of the tree. Shock gasp. The titular wardrobe. The titular wardrobe. Of the next book. Mm-hmm. Um, or the first book, if you will. And it still has that old magic in it. Even mm. though Diggory never figures that out, apparently. Not that he never figures it out. He never gets to experience it, though. Yeah. He figures it out when Lucy comes back from yeah. it and they tell him what happened. Because at the end of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, the kids tell Professor Kirk what happened to the coats. Uh-huh. That they just disappeared. Who knows? Uh, yeah, he becomes a professor and an adventurer, but never adventuring across worlds again, I guess. Which, I mean, in the future, I suppose that would be kind of disappointing for Diggory. And, like, <laughs> anywhere he could go on Earth would be kind of lame. Well, and I mean, <sighs> it kind of echoes back to that moment where he's like, everything he looked at was so <laughs> ordinary and less magical that he almost wasn't sure the apple would work. Yep. And, you know, Diggory just goes on to live a sad, colorless life, I guess. <laughs> um, and then we have Uncle Andrew. Uncle Andrew! <sighs> Who eventually becomes a nicer man. Because he gets weird. Yeah, doesn't he, never, doesn't ever say that he quits drinking or anything. But... Yeah, no, it doesn't say <laughs> that he gets better about drinking, but he, do, he does like to trap people in the billiard room. <laughs> And tell them about that time that he went driving through the city with a dem fine woman. Dem fine woman. Dem fine woman. Of and, her foreign royalty. Yeah. And there we go. So that's the chapter. We have the whole thing wrapped up in a neat little bow. Except for all of the questions that I still have. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and how it damaged my 
story about the pawns. I'm just going to ignore that. It's still... You're going to retcon that in your own head? Yeah. No. no. <sighs> my, my version's better. Uh-huh. And you're Narnia EU. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, before we get on to our next segment, is there anything that we want to say? Because there's not really a lot that happens here that we didn't expect to happen in the last chapter. Yeah. I mean, my notes were a dem fine woman. Do they have to go through the woods? Warning, World War One, World War Two. Uh, command. Polly takes it on and mostly does it. Uh huh. And what does the word counterpain mean? Those are those are all <laughs> of my notes from it. And that's it. That's yeah. what we got. Yeah, that's that's all we've got. That's all I've got. You don't have any notes. Yeah, I'm. I mean, I have, I have things I want to talk about, but I'm saving them for the next episode where we talk about this in relation to the entire book. Okay. So I'm trying to hold back my talking points. Okay. For that. Um, so all that being said, let's move on to our next segment, which is called... Narnia Chopped and Screwed. And in this one, we go through the chapter and pick out five mostly new sentences. Uh, they we don't have pick to out five sentences. Yeah. Like, you don't have to <laughs> qualify them in any way. Yeah, another five sentences, and we tell our own story out of what's already there in the text. Uh, so... It's like building things out of word Play-Doh. <laughs> The little tag to put on the end there. Yeah, that'll be the the hashtag we use for the next one. Uh huh. It'll be like our next segment, Narnia word play doh. <laughs> uh, so that being said, I went ahead and read my um summary first. Did so. you? Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? Yeah. Do you have some, a little too much brandy? Oh, a little early for that. <laughs> Keep it for me. Uh, so All right. go ahead and. So here's my rewrite. This was this was the most difficult one for me because the sen- the the chapter is so just like here's a paragraph wrapping up everything that's happened so the content is so like widespread. Yeah, it was it was difficult for me as well. Good. Um all right, well we'll try this. But Polly added, but we're not quite as bad as that world, are we Aslan? A devilish temper she had, he would say. Look, it's all right. I'm wearing gloves. Let's bury them. Old great-uncle Kirk had died, and this meant, apparently, that father was now very rich. Okay. He didn't do a bad job with that. He went kind of like a little murder mystery direction. Yeah, I I feel like I put them in the wrong order for it, but... Yeah. It could have been better. I see where you're coming from there. Okay, okay. And then I also titled it with another sentence. <sighs> what he was thinking about was the bottle in the wardrobe, and he disappeared at once into his bedroom and locked the door. <laughs> All right, I so. was it was almost gonna be a suicide story where like <sighs> someone disappeared into his bedroom and locked the door and old great uncle Kirk had died. <laughs> Somebody's getting dark. I Yeah, anyway. <laughs> Whatever. Anyway, you know, I mean, you, you worked with what you had. Yeah, it's not an easy chapter. And for me, like, when something's not easy, it just becomes dark. <laughs> it's just one of those situations where you open the Play-Doh, but it's, like, been sitting open too long, and it's too dry and crumbly. Yeah, it's got those little really crusties on crusties. the edge. Like, you yeah. have to work through it, and there's little crusties, <laughs> and you're like, these are not supposed to be in here. Yeah, I feel you. 
Alright, so we'll or go... Or there's, like, little pieces of, like, really hard blue Play-Doh mixed into your really soft pink Play-Doh. It's like, well, they're obviously not supposed to be here. Well, I never. Anyway, uh, so I'll go ahead and do mine. You never played with Play-Doh that someone else had used before? Oh, how yeah. special you must be. My privileged childhood that I had. You only had your own Play-Doh and you didn't share it with anyone. Mm-hmm. Alright. I didn't uh, even own my own Play-Doh. I only got to use Play-Doh when I was at church. <laughs> wow. This explains so much about you. <laughs> so uh, go into my rewrite now. <laughs> if you're if you've recovered. <laughs> so Uncle Andrew never tried any magic again as long as he lived. He was going to retire and come home from India forever and ever. And a month later, that whole house had become a different place. However that might be, it was proved later that there was still magic in its wood. When things go wrong, you'll find they usually go on getting worse for some time. But when things once start coming right, they often go on getting better and better. I like I like what you did with the magic. I like what you did with the magic there. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I feel like your stories do a really good job of opening my eyes to things that I didn't like note in the text earlier. Mm-hmm. And I I didn't I don't remember that sentence that said Uncle Andrew you know like never did anything with magic again. Your first sentence. Uh-huh. I don't remember that sentence being in there. Yeah. I mean, like I know it was, and I know it's in the last paragraph. Like, but it just. It, it stands out to me a lot more now where it was like we had this kind of dark mark on Andrew uh-huh. of his dark magic that he had been playing with and the, the dark things he had done to get that magic. Uh-huh. And then the fact that he never does magic again is almost a redemptive thing for him. Uh-huh. And it's almost like, you know, he he went on living like and that alone is a redemption for him in a way. Mm-hmm. And like we had mentioned in the last chapter that I like felt like Uncle Andrew had no redemption in this book. Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, there's almost the fact that he becomes less selfish mm-hmm. and the fact that he never does magic again does almost feel like a redeeming arc for him. Yeah. So there you go. That was. But he also idea. still at the end is saying a dem fine woman like he's still <laughs> very much is is under this kind of weight and influence mm-hmm. that it's like yeah. I don't know I don't know how to feel about whether or not he is actually redeemed redeemed at the end yeah yeah so there you go there's my there's my story like yours we went in very different directions Obviously. I was trying to as always come up with like a little positive wrap up for the end of the book I don't know you you always come up with something that's gonna like i said it always opens my eyes to something that i didn't see in the chapter before uh-huh. i don't think mine do I'm, i think my, i try so hard with mine to like remove them from the chapter uh-huh. but there is also this element that i touch on in mine of like this burying of something uh-huh. like it's taking that dark thing and and or not even a dark thing. Like, things act according to their nature, as Aslan said. Like, uh-huh. 
the rings that have been used in this way to trick the kids and to bring the witch from one place to another and uh-huh. to t- to taint Narnia with this evil. Like, uh-huh. all of these things have been um, carried out with these rings, and these rings are now just being buried. Uh-huh. It's not even like a, like, bring them here and leave them here in the care of, you know, Aslan who could maybe do good with these things. It's just like literally just like bury them. Uh-huh. So I don't know. Gotcha. So there we go. We'll we'll get more into it. Uh also you have Aslan entrusting two children <laughs> with this knowledge of the future like evils in our world. Well, they they don't go on to do anything to prevent it, so he hasn't messed up the timeline. Yeah, but I mean, it's, I'm not worried about the integrity of the timeline. I have you have Aslan being like, "Here's a warning: don't turn out like Charn." <laughs> and it's like, what what are two nine year olds supposed to do with that information? Like, mm-hmm. he's saying it as if he's giving a command to the sons of Adam and the daughters of Eve. Like, mm-hmm. he says it to them in that way. Yeah, but. Like, he's talking to two children who are just going to be, like, growing up. And, you know, Diggory is going to shelter children in his home who have to be evacuated from London during the war. And that's that's still not him doing much to, like, prevent a war, you know? Like, Uh I don't know. It just seems really odd. Yeah. Um... to, To have Aslan as this character just be like, Yo, don't let your planet turn out like that planet that you were at before. It's gone now. Yeah. Your planet could be gone now, too. It's pretty heavy stuff. (laughs) Uh, So all that being said, let's go to our final segment here where we take the chapter and look at what it is as a whole and give it a rating and, you know, see see how good of a chapter it was. Rate that chapter. Uh, And we uh, do it out of a five-star system and our... One of us does. Our... Our stand-ins for stars are always something different. Kristen, what are they going to be in this chapter? Apple Maybe. cores! Apple cores? You think it makes sense? Yes. Okay. So out of apple cores, um, this chapter was exactly... You have given me too much power, sir. <laughs> yeah, I did that when I married you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so this chapter was exactly what I thought it was going to be going in. It was a wrap-up. We, we healed Diggory's mom. We plant the tree, which I knew was going to happen. We get rid of the rings. You know, everybody lives happily ever after. That's... And Uncle Andrew is still a drunk. Yeah. And that's that's kind of exactly what I expected. And, Aunt La- Aunt La- and, and they take him away from Aunt Letty. <laughs> because it's not fair to Aunt Letty. <laughs> yep. To have to keep putting up with him. Just her and the housekeeper now. Yep. They're having a grand time. Yep. Um. So, yeah. It, it's, it's nice. It... Ties everything up in a neat little bow, except for that one thing that Kristen said about uh, the nymphs and the dryads. The nymphs and, and the dryads, river and... gods and wood gods. Yeah, you need more explanations. I do. But uh, yeah, it was a fine end of the book. Uh, like I said a couple times before, I want to get more into my thoughts when we do our next episode with Steve and whatnot. Um, but sure. Uh, Four apple cores out of five. Four uh, apple cores? That's almost a whole apple. <laughs> Is that how math works? Maybe. 
All right. Depends on the size of the core of the apple. Yeah. Overall, didn't really have a lot to say. But Kristen, what are your what is your what are your thoughts? My closing arguments are that this chapter does exactly what a final chapter has to do in a story that is so <laughs> oddly like jumbled. We have like different. We have two children who started out on a journey to be adventuring who ended up adventuring and don't want to anymore uh-huh. and just go home. And all Diggory wants is to help his mother because somehow he thinks that maybe his mother can be healed by some of this magic uh-huh. and things and stuff. I don't. I mean, like, it's a bookend. Like, that's what this chapter is. It's a bookend in the shape of an apple. Very literally. It doesn't get an apple. <laughs> it gets a bookend shaped like an apple. That's my rating. Okay. Cool. Maybe it's carved out of wood, even. Oh, okay. That's well, a little nicer. Really fancy. <sighs> All right. Well, that being said, uh, come back next week uh, in the new year. I mean, you guys are already in the new year, but... No, this comes not... out before the new year's. Oh, okay. Yeah. Never mind. Bye. So, but they mm. will be coming out in, like, the next episode will be in the new year. Yes. So, join you in 2020 with our special guest star that we're going to have on, and we're going to go over and talk about the entire book, and we might make you listen to uh, a 50-sentence rewrite of the entire storyline. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see where that goes. I don't want to put in that much time. <laughs> but uh... It takes me longer to write rewrite this chap- the chapters than it takes me to read them. <laughs> So until then, uh, if you have any thoughts, you can get at us at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. You can tweet at us at Chronically Pod on Twitter, or you can email us your fan art of uh, Apple Course. Uncle Andrew covered in honey. Ooh, uh-huh. I think that's what we said yeah. last time. Okay, keep it PG though. Um, email us at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> and we'll see you next year. See you next year. Bye. Uncle Kirk died, and... Hello! Welcome to Chronically Narnia. Um, this is a, a podcast. And I know that that's really cool. Get a gun and kill it! Uh-huh. And they're like, who would want to do that? Well, we can do like a one-episode revisit or so. Feliz podcast, feliz podcast, prospero podcast and felicidad. You see, it works because I replaced some of the words with the word podcast. Mm. Have a great one. Thank you. Don't get stabbed. Don't get stabbed.